The following episode is of a sensitive nature. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello everyone, welcome to Genealogy Adventures. My name is Brian Sheffy. And I'm Donya Williams. How are you guys doing today? Hope you guys are having an awesome Sunday. And as always, thank you very much for spending the next hour with us. Yes, so we were supposed to have a guest on our show, but I, we don't know what happened, but we can still talk about it. Um, this is a sad show, I got tissue. So um, today we are discussing Annika, Lucy, and Betsy. And who are they? They are the mothers of gynecology. And um, Annika, Lucy, and Betsy, let me give you some background on them. So I can do this because I can do this. <laughs> Okay, Anarcha, Lucy, and Bessie. Basically, what happened was James Marion Sims. If you guys know him, he is listed as the father of genealogy. And James Marion Sims was um, a man who's actually, get this, Brian, born in Lancaster, South Carolina. His mother was a Mackie. Okay. No, really? Yes, yes. Mm. His mother, yes, his mother was a Mackie. And um, he, was, he wasn't even interested in being a doctor. He literally became a doctor for money purposes only. And um, he became a doctor and he decided to move to Alabama because he wanted, he wanted to find his purpose in becoming a doctor. So he didn't even have a purpose. He just decided to become a doctor. And um, he moved to Alabama. He met this one enslaved woman named Lucy. She was having troubles having a baby. And she was having this baby. And when he, she was having this baby, it was troubles in having the child. And when she was trying to have the child, basically what happened was, and I have it right here, uh, it wasn't Lucy, it was Annika. He punctured her vaginal canal and told her that he couldn't do anything about it and sent her on her way. That's what he did. Punctured her vaginal canal and sent her on her way, okay? Then Lucy was having trouble with her because she had had a baby and had, um, when she had the baby, had something called a vestibule. Oh, it's a... Nope, it is vaginal fistula. Vaginal fistula. So what that means is there was a leakage either between the bladder and her vagina or the rectum and the vagina. Am I correct? That's correct. So they were having these issues. So when he came to Lucy, it was Lucy that he was experimenting on first. 
And when he was when he was doing the experimentations on Lucy, you can't hear me, Sharon. Hold on, because she says she can't hear me. Let me try something else because I don't have my headphones with me today. No one else is reporting it. Y'all, can y'all hear me? Oh, she got it. Okay, good. All right. So um, when she, Lucy was having these problems and he was working, he was experimenting on Lucy. And when he was experimenting on Lucy, y'all, he did so much to her that he even took like sponges and put them inside of her. And when he put the sponges inside of her, this young lady basically went septic. And it took her like three months to get to be healed because she had blood, blood poisoning. Well, she nearly died. And she nearly died. So then after that, he thought he figured out how he could take care of things. So he actually called the slave owners of Betsy and um, Annika back. And when he called them back, he wanted to start working on them. So even though these were the three women that he had notes on. Now, mind you guys, he actually worked on 11 other women. So he was working on 11 enslaved, over about 13 enslaved women. And am, and I correct was, in, huh? am I correct in thinking that not all of them survived? Not all of them survived. No. Okay. Not all of them survived. But he was working on all of these different women. But it was the, these three, Anna, Anna, Annika, um, Lucy, and Betsy, that he just did all this work on. So... When he did all of this work on them, it was Annika that he did count them. 30 surgeries, y'all. 30. Without anesthesia. Without anesthesia. 30 surgeries until he finally came up with, and this is going to sound really simple, but a suture. He did a suture. And once he came up with that suture, that's what did it. That's how he fixed it. So he's considered the father of gynecology. Now, can I just cycle back really quickly to something? Yes. Because as I've been kind of reading about this and looking at documentaries and, and um, video clips on this, I don't know why, but I thought that Betsy, Lucy, and Annika were much older than what they actually really were. They really were just, you know, they were at the latter stage of their teenage years. Because again, being, you know, getting familiar with the Fanny Campbell book on Butler Island and dealing with dropped wombs, we were talking about, you know, women who were at least in their mid-20s who were having these gynecological issues because they were having a lot of kids and they were having just every 18 months, they were having another kid which put stresses on their body. And that's kind of what resulted. So I guess in my head, I was thinking that these three girls were much older than what they actually were, but they were between 17 and 19. Am I getting it right? That they, they were between 17 and 19. 17 and 19. Annika, she was the one that had the 30 surgeries and she was 17 years old. And, so, the way, and the way that their enslavers decided to deal with this, <clears throat> once they had this fistula, um, because there was, what well, we're going to call it incontinence. You know, they had incontinence, both both kinds, and there was an odor with it. 
And they were kind. They were. They weren't kind of. They were ostracized. They were kept away from the other enslaved people when they could work, and I think they only, could only do light duties. They had to do it away from everyone else. And these three women were not enslaved together in the same place. They each had a different enslaver yeah. who wanted Marion Sims to fix the problem because they wanted to get them back to doing more, more heavier kinds of work. Right. Right. And he was such a... The man was... was a Frankenstein. Because I want you guys to understand this. He started doing this between 1845 and 1849. Okay. And I'm calling him a Frankenstein because anesthesia was brought into in the play in 1846. So he could have done, he could have given these ladies anesthesia. He chose not to because he felt that Black women, and not just Black women, actually, but Black people in a, a, as a whole, but because we're talking about women right now, Black women could take the pain. We didn't, we actually, you know, we, we didn't feel pain. As a matter of fact, the words were, we didn't hurt. Well, we... The myth that we were animals, yes. basically, that we either didn't feel pain, had a higher tolerance for pain, we had a higher tolerance for pain, yes. um, didn't have the same emotions as everyone else had. I mean, the lit the list kind of goes on. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it was is really bad, and he, you know, he did these things, and one of the things that fistula, this vaginal fistula, did, it actually caused a um, um, a disability amongst our children called tetina or something like that. And this disability, he was also the one that was supposed to try to fix it. Now, I'm going to show you guys a picture. And um, if you, I don't know if you know what a crooked all is, but I'm going to pull up a crooked all. And I'm going to show you crooked all and um he used this thing on our babies no open it up where is it at oh come on oh, so is this, was this an implement that he was using as um as he was experimenting yeah yeah, he used it on our babies. And, and what what was the difference? I mean, I guess, how, how was it used? I got to show it to you in order for you to see it. Like, it's, oh, dang it. We may, so we may have to just go into something used, else. He had, to, he had to push it. He pushed it into the baby's head. And when he pushed it into the baby's head, he was trying to chip off certain pieces of the skull so that the baby, um, because he felt like that's what was the problem with the child's head, that that particular all, and that is that was what it that was the issue. So this is a crooked all. So I'm getting ready to share this with you right now on my screen. 
this is a um a crooked arm and it it looks like um it's just it, it's like a knife and it's the saddest thing and when you guys see it i'm i'm just going to say sorry in advance because it's sad that's a do you see the screen Yes. Mm -hmm. This is a. You see my thing moving around. That's a crooked all. So just to take a step back, so when he was using this implement, I'm presuming the the child hadn't been born yet. It was no, she the was child still was born. Oh, it was born. It was an. Okay. It was a live child. And he would take it and he would stab the child in the head with it. What was the purpose of that? Because that was his way of chipping off the skull. But what, what was the end game for doing for doing that? So that would be the way for him to um, chip off the whatever it was that he felt was holding the child, helping making the child disabled. And he would, and there was one hundred percent mortality because he would kill the kid, and he would blame the mother. And the midwife, he would never blame himself. The ignorance of the mother and the midwife because of the child dying. So it's kind of like, a, almost like a, I'm just trying to picture it in my head. So it's almost like a lobotomy. Yes, that's exactly what he would do, a lobotomy mm -hmm. of the child. And this came from, from that. Yeah, he was, he was, he was an, an awesome, he, he was an awful awful man and um the there were statues to him so over the development of him <clears throat> i'm going to say loosely treating lucy anarchy and and betsy um he actually well he he bought them he became their enslaver and they actually kind of in to different degrees were actually kind of his nurses they they were helping each other at one point yeah, because um, men, the 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 men that were helping him, they couldn't do it anymore. So, for example, Annika, she had to be stra strapped down to the table because he had been doing it so much and, and going through so much pain with all of the 30. She was in constant pain. And at first they were holding her down, but they couldn't deal with it any longer. And it got to the point that they they were actually holding each other down while these procedures were being done. So that picture that you had, uh, you know, when we had up the first time, that mm -hmm. was actually a subdued picture of what was happening with during those particular um, procedures, when in actuality, it was way worse than what we were seeing. It was worse than them just peeping around and looking and and things of that nature. It was an awful, it was an awful experience for all three women. Mm -hmm. And out of all of this experimentation, he actually developed medical instruments and implements. Um, the speculum, which was actually yes. named named after him, I believe it was it was called the Sims speculum yes. for him. So the three girls, their, their, their contribution, their involuntary contribution to this was just completely erased. Yes, no one, yes, 
yes, no one knew about what they did. And they just basically um, talked about what he did. Now, let me just say this. What he did definitely, you know, there are so many stories. There's so much YouTube information about this whole thing. You, you can Google it. And it's a lot of information out there. And this is why we're able to, you know, like really talk about these wonderful ladies. Mm -hmm. But um, what he did was an awesome thing. But it was how he did it and the and, and and why he did it and the way he did it. Everything could have been done definitely much more humane. It was the most inhumane thing that you could have. You wouldn't have done it to a dog. You wouldn't have done it to any kind of animal. And and the way it was done, and Shelly said like a chisel as far as the kids. And we, yes, it was like a chisel. And um the way he did it was just, uh, it was the most inhumane thing in the world. And huh, it, it was, it was crazy. And so, the three girls, it's, they're hard. It's slightly challenging to try to find them in the records. <clears throat> One of them, I know we found her, her, I think it's her married name. Yes. Annika was a Westcott. That was it. Yes. Annika Westcott. Now, I remember Dee asking um, once if she had Dee Turner, one of our, our return um, guests, she said, at an audience member, she asked if they had airs because we talked about it, talked about, you know, having the show. And they may have airs because to get this, this particular, um, this, to get Fistula, you have to have children. So, they may have had children, but did their children live is the question. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So we don't know about that. But the person, so now to get to the person that we were going to have on the show, the person that was supposed to be on the show, her name was Michelle Browder. And the reason why we were going to have Michelle Browder on the show was because of the fact that um, she actually had set up, she was building a memorial to these women. Now in New York, Jay, Jay Marion Sims um, statue was taken down and it was over a whole bunch of just debates, you know, talking about why are you taking it down? He was the father of gynecology. He did this, he did that. Yes, he did do all these things, but it was very inhumane the way he did it. He purposely did not give these women anesthesia because he thought that we were we didn't need it and it wasn't necessary. He literally wrote it in his notes that it wasn't necessary for us to have it. Even though Lucy was in extreme pain, those were his words. Lucy was in extreme pain. Those were his words. And um, so he wouldn't do that. And, you know, he, he, yes, he created the spectrum. He made, he, he did groundbreaking work when it came to women and gynecology. He made it possible for them to see inside of a woman's womb to, to understand, but I don't care. I, I would rather you not know if you had to go about it in the way that he did. So Michelle created this, these um, statues. And now I'm getting ready to share the statue, and I guess because it's on her website, we can actually share the clip. Mm -hmm. That's too, right? So I'm going to um, go ahead and do that. So let me do that real quick. Well, because as you're doing that, I mean, 
the first impression I got when I was familiarizing myself with this history was I immediately thought of Joseph, Meng Joseph Mengele, the Nazi quote-unquote scientist doctor who just did the most atrocious things to Jewish people, wondering if this is where he got the idea of human experimentation. Because that's, you know, within, you know, the context of the era of World War II, that was a really taboo thing um, to figure out. Because, you know, we know a lot of American racism influenced what the Nazis were doing to the Jewish people in Europe. They, they basically used our codes as textbook. And I was just wondering if this was just yet another thing that the Nazis kind of borrowed from this country. Like, well, it worked for them. What can we do? What can we do with it? Because right. no, nothing exists in a vacuum. Right. So let me um, share the screen. I'm going to watch this clip. I'm in Montgomery, Alabama, standing with Michelle Browder, looking at her amazing sculpture that honors three women whose sacrifice has been lost to history, Anarka, Betsy, and Lucy. So Anarka was 17 at the time of her first experimentation. There was a vestigial vaginal fistula. Marion Sims, a doctor in the early part of the 19th century, decided to try to cure this and use enslaved women's bodies in order to find a cure, but also very much to promote his own career. In some arenas, he's known as the father of modern gynecology, but then if you're aware of what he did, he's known as Father Butcher. And Anarka was the first patient to be brought to Sims who suffered from fistula. The other 10 or so women that he experimented on were all enslaved women who he purchased or rented of population who had, had absolutely, absolutely no, no choice, choice in the matter. This, this is, is before, before the development, development of anesthesia. anesthesia. So, so these, these women, women were operated on, on sutured, sutured, all without, without anesthesia. anesthesia. People make the argument, oh, well, they didn't have anesthesia then. It's still, it was a crime against humanity. And it was something that white male doctors felt entirely privileged and had a right to do to black women's bodies and not something that they felt they had Right, to, do, to, to white, white women's, women's bodies. Right, because there was the notion out there that black women had a high tolerance for pain and or that they didn't feel pain at all or that black people had thicker skin, this lie that was told. And so these doctors were able to do whatever they wanted to. The transatlantic slave trade was outlawed in 1808, but that meant it was all the more important for the enslaved women who were here to have more babies. If you're no longer bringing enslaved Africans over to be enslaved, how do you replenish your stock? You make these women have children. They, they had, had trouble after, after their, their pregnancy, pregnancy something, something like, like a fistula that needed, needed to be repaired so that they continue to have babies and enhance their, their value to their enslaver. So let's, so let's look, look closely, closely at, at the three figures. figures. Each, each figure, figure is individualized. We did that because each one of them had their own identity. On the back of Betsy, you could see the scarification. You could see the bodies of men. And then on an arca around her legs, there are bodies of people 
and then around Lucy, there's bodies around her waist. So that represents the slave ship. And if you notice, their backs are straight. There's a posture, a beauty about each one of them. And the Narca in the front raises her head, arches her neck, and looks up. Because if you can imagine being in a horrific situation like this, you got to have some kind of faith that one day it will end. And so she's in a constant state of prayer. And each one of them has a Dinkra symbol. And her symbol says, Supreme God. Betsy's is strength. And then Lucy is that of friendship. Because they form a friendship. On Lucy, you can notice the designs on her back represent the whippings, the beatings. I also see chains and other things that remind me of torture. Well, her hair made of bicycle chains. They have these porous surfaces that suggest the penetrating tools and gaze of the white men who operated on them. And then there's a fourth part on the pedestal, the same shape as the space that's been removed from an arca. And so we have a displaced womb. That womb was done by Deborah Cedric, a Black woman artist here in Montgomery. She wanted to show the trauma to the womb. Well, I noticed inside specula, scissors, Mm -hmm. chains. Which represents the bondage or not being able to be free. They were cut off at the arms and Mm -hmm. legs. Well, they didn't have the capacity to help their situation. Sure, they could have killed themselves, but they chose to continue to live. And now because of their lives, other lives are now being saved because of the procedures. Today, these procedures, procedures help cure thousands, thousands of women. One, one of the things I notice is just how embellished the figures are. And, and I recognize tools like wrenches or mm-hmm. scissors. But there's also beautiful decorative forms. Flowers and butterflies and things that I associate with femininity. So everything that you see were discarded items. But they still add value. And I think it speaks to the situation in which they found themselves. They were stripped of humanity. They identity and so the thought was to give them some identity so the band two knots yes. the brains the cornrows and betsy is also inscribed with names of very important women you have women like big mama thornton you have augusta savage fanny lou hamner tamika mallory and barbara roth lee you have eartha kitt you have harriet jacobs so each one of these names are either enslaved women or women who have struggled through the civil rights movement or women who are making progress today. What we've done over the last hundred years or more is make monuments to white men that are very fraught, leaving these women out. It's tragic. But monuments must change, and they're changing, and it's taken a creative approach to do it. But I think now the season has been ready to change the narrative using art. So even so if it's old, old monuments, and there is one, one right nearby, right nearby to, to Mr. Sims, Sims it doesn't, doesn't come, down, come down, we still have we still your, have your Absolutely. That's what we're hoping that people will get from this, is the history behind it. And that's not what you're going to get from these other statues around the city. You're not going to get the real education as to what happened. So just to remind, just to let everyone know, because I don't think everyone heard it, the, the statue is actually located in Montgomery, Alabama. Yes. Yes, so we're going to ask that um, question. And it, the actually, it's a museum. And um, she has a whole setup where you can actually tour that entire area. And they just opened up on March 1st. So if you're in that area, 
and um, you are you can go and visit. You can purchase tickets, and you can go and visit that entire area. Because mm -hmm. um, again, one of the it's really unfortunate that that Michelle couldn't join us. I just had so many questions about the <clears throat> the statues themselves because they're just so richly decorated and none of that is superficial. I'm sure that every single thing that adorns those statues represents something. That butterfly represents something. That harp that I quickly saw represents something. So they're just beautifully, I mean, first of all, they just look like beautiful statues that are just imbued with all kinds of symbology and, and, and history and that's just makes them really powerful. Well, the thing is, is that the other, the other thing is, is that they're extremely tall. And a lot of people don't realize just how tall they are. Am I still echoing? No, it was the video. Oh, it was the video. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. I couldn't see it because when I, when I go to stop, when I share the screen, it cuts my screen off. So I didn't see it. I apologize. Um, but um yeah the, the the they're actually like 10 foot tall statues so i'm pressed to go <laughs> i want to go so bad and and see it so alabama that's two very crazy um museums that you got to go see the the lynching museum and now this all in the same place mm -hmm. And Dee Turner, as always, is just one and a half steps ahead of us because we, um, we're going to lead into the, the Henrietta Lacks kind of aspect of this. Um, so that's another show that we're going to be doing later on in the year, uh, specifically about the, the court case that Henrietta Lacks' descendants have just gone through. Because I'm sitting here wondering, you know, if we can actually do the research and find out whether anarchy, anarcha, uh, Lucy and Betsy actually do have descendants. Would those descendants be, I don't want to say eligible, would they have rights to any of the royalties and the licensing for speculums? Everything. Any, anything that he created. Not just speculums. I mean, anything that he created. Do, do they have rights to any of it? Because if he's the father of, gene, of of gynecology and they're the mothers of it, then they're the grandchildren of it. And grandchildren have rights to this, you know? That's just, that's the bottom line. That It just doesn't make any sense. And the one thing that was said in that video that was incorrect was the fact that um, anesthesia was not available. It was. It came a year after. I think and, they might have been confusing that with chloroform, because even though chloroform was developed in the 1830s, I think it was someone in Britain, in London, who um, developed it as a medical thing. But that was like, I think, 1847, 1848. So a little bit after this. I think right. they just might have been confusing chloroform with okay. the anesthesia. Right. And Angie Wilson, thank you for putting up her, her link. I was actually just about to put the link up to the website. Um, uh, Randy asked, is Michelle the artist? And yes, Michelle is the artist of the um, 
of those statues and they're beautiful and she I, I, they're beautiful statues and and like you said the fact one of the things that i think shelly put up there was um the names i found that the names being just written all over all of the the names of the different women that did such powerful things and had so much going on i just although michelle could not make it today we could not not open with this particular show we just could not not open with this show because it embodies what women history what women's history month is all about and it still echoes to this day and not just for african american women for for all african americans there is a disparity in healthcare when we go in to see doctors or go into the hospitals or emergency rooms, we're not believed. There's still a myth that's out there. As a matter of fact, just saw another YouTube video on it today, doctor in Boston, saying that um, when we say that we're in pain, it's not really believed. They think people, healthcare professionals think that we're trying to score drugs instead of actually dealing with us in a, in a holistic way and believing us type type thing. So that the legacy of the pain and what they endured back then is still with us in 2022. Listen, there was, as I was watching some of these videos and doing the research on this, just trying to, you know, get, give myself some um, background on it. Uh, there was one guy, it was a comment, and he actually said, now, as most of you know, sickle cell is among the Black community. That's, that's, that's a black disease in so many words and it is one of the most painful things that a person can have when they describe it they describe it as your blood feeling like it's stabbing you in so many words or what have you so he actually said in the comments that they would ignore him because knowing that he has sickle cell they would literally ignore him because they felt like, oh, you're fine. You're not fine. And then as the another thing that I was looking at, I was watching another video about this. And when the videos that when you start doing the research on it, and Sharon said, because she's a nurse, she's going to start looking at certain things when it comes to this. There were people that were said, they, they are literally looking at the 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 how they are doing things when it comes to women and how women are not being um, looked at properly compared to white women and black women when it well, comes we used, to huh? we called it we called it medical apartheid in our in our virtual green room. It's, right. med it's medical it's apartheid. That's the mm -hmm. name of the book by a woman named Harriet mm -hmm. Washington. And somebody actually mentioned that up there. Harriet Washington wrote the book because she's an author and it's called Medical Apartheid. And basically, matter of fact, I did a note and it says um, black women are more likely to die, three to four times more likely to die than white women for pregnancy or birth. And it's because they pay less attention to the pain of black women than they do to white women. And it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing. So to tell a personal story, my daughter, okay? My daughter, she, um, she was 
diagnosed with COVID in 2021. But when COVID first came out, she got really, really sick. She and my niece, they got really, really sick in 2020, March of 2020, like when it there when it first came out. And we went through this whole thing. And I actually wrote about it. And to get her tested, she went through all of these histrionics. It was just crazy to get her tested and everything. They ended up saying that she just had a respiratory problem and she was going to be fine. So fast forward to April 2021, she had like three false negatives. And then finally, they said she was diagnosed with COVID. She had she was a good candidate for the antibodies. Now, when you get the antibodies, the antibodies, um, to take the antibodies, you can stay home. You don't have to be at the hospital for the antibodies, but um, you're going to suffer. Because the antibodies, you, you're going you're gonna to be at home, you're going to be sick, but the antibodies are going to work it through. But in order to get the antibodies, you have to have the antibodies before 10 days. You can't be more than 10 days after your diagnosis. So we're working to get, you know, set it up so she can get this, get these antibodies and everything. And I'm talking on the phone and the lady tells me she can't get the antibodies. And I'm like, why? Because she's already, she's had COVID too long. What do you mean she's had COVID too long? She was already, she, she, she had it already in March, 2020. Y'all heard me say 2020. My daughter had COVID in April, 2021. All I could say was, oh, really? Because we were told she had a respiratory infection not COVID. So apparently she had COVID in 2020 and was lied to. So these are the things that, I mean, what do you do? How do you, how do you respond to that? Because actually a couple of people have <clears throat> commented. There's Henry Goins, D. Turner um, commented, and I think uh, Shelly Murphy as well. You know, I can just give a really quick example from for myself. So, as many of our viewers know, I've lived outside of the outside of America for longer than I've actually lived in this country physically, and I have experience firsthand experience of the British healthcare system, the French, the Italian, and the Japanese. Nowhere in any of those countries was my pain, you know, I've gone in with broken limbs, twisted, you know, I'm a surfer and a skateboarder. So, you know, the usual skateboarding, surfing thing, I would, would need, occasionally I would need to go to the emergency room. And my pain level was never challenged. You know, they may ask me on a scale of one to 10 what my pain level was. And then just to kind of describe what I was feeling so they could kind of quantify it in their heads. But there was zero pushback. Now, you remember, Donya, when I was living in Boston, and I had a really bad flu, really bad, and um, very disappointing kind of healthcare experience in America that I had to pay for. Don't forget, England, it was free. France, it was more or less free. Germany, it was free. Japan, I had to pay a little money, but nowhere near what I had to pay here in, in America. And um, yeah, the, the, the GP in Boston was kind of like, yeah, 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 you know, you... you you just have the flu kind of a thing. Just completely brushed it off to 
despite the fact that I could hardly breathe. Um, yeah, there, there, there is a noticeable difference. Um, well, according to a, um, another video that I saw, it said that in 2016, the National um, Academies of Science actually said that Black people have a higher tolerance of pain than white people. So to answer Shelley's question, do we still think that maybe the medical field still has a view of the colonial times, et cetera, that Blacks are not human? I'm not going to say that they're going to say that Blacks are not human, but I am going to say that they think that we are not the same as that. That was 2016. There is another video that talks of, that was um about uh what do they call the Pearson Research Center for Children. They actually put out an apology because they made a comment and statement like that in 2017. So yes. These things are still going on. It, it doesn't, it, it's sad. Fannie Lou Hamer went into the hospital for one thing and she came out without her service. This is how Planned Parenthood came about because they wanted to get rid of, they wanted to do this whole genocide thing. David Duke wanted the Norvo, um, the Norvo birth control wanted to give it to the welfare women, get them to do it, give them a hundred dollars so that they would do this Norvo thing. Guys, this is this is not a game. These things are yeah. still this is these are the things that have been happening throughout the years and continue to happen. Which is the basis of the distrust that a lot of black people in America have. Yes. for the medical um, yes. profession. And no matter how people may gaslight it or not be familiar with that history or understand what a reluctant, because that came into sharp relief with COVID. And even now, you know, you have a lot of, you have a lot of black people who don't want to get either the vaccine or the booster because they literally, because, you know, you've got the Tuskegee experiments, yes. all of that stuff. This, yes. our history with the medical profession. Yes. And I get it. You know, I, I get it. I, I, I get yeah, it. I mean, without a doubt, it's 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 definitely understandable. Randy, Randy, I, I need to read her thing. She said, "Speaking, wait a minute, I'm I'm moving too fast. Speaking as a white RN, in many years, I hate reporting what I've seen, but there is a hierarchy of believability. White, rich, young, beautiful, thin is honored most, even if not believed. Brown, poor, older, fat is at the bottom." Poor people are often thought to be attention-seeking, drug-seeking, or otherwise somewhat at fault due to risky behaviors. It's bad. See? Because mm -hmm. as we've been just chatting about this, I mean, I have been wondering if, you, if you're poor and you're white and you're living in a rural area, are you getting kind of the same? Are you being treated kind of like a Black person? Are you, are you also receiving substandard? healthcare or yes, not being or not being believed when you say that you're in pain. Yes, they are because I actually I have a friend named Doug who's a veteran and um he's and he has cancer. And 
that's my buddy and he's getting terrible terrible service he still hasn't gotten treatment yet and they know what it is and he still hasn't gotten his treatment and he's white and he's a veteran so but he it's not like he got a whole bunch of money and all this other stuff so it 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 i think it all depends and i think that's one of the problems he doesn't like and the, one of the things with with Doug is that he doesn't see a difference between black and white because he gets these types of treatment, even though there is a difference. And that's the stuff that I try to point out to him. But because he gets these treatments like this, he's like, I don't see the difference. No, nope, I don't see it. Because I get, I get, I get, I get some, I get some of these things. <laughs> you know? So yeah. But again, you know, going back to the three girls, so I'm just trying to imagine I'm a medical student, specifically looking for an emphasis to do an emphasis in um, obstetrics and gynecology. So I'm being introduced to the specul speculum. I'm being told who invented it, how he came up with the idea. How do you teach that part of it, but leave the girls out of it? Because he, you know, just logically think, even if the word experiments was used in a, in a classroom, well, who did he experiment on? You know, is, is that what part did of- Did they even tell him? That's the question. The That's real the question. question is, did they even tell him, tell them what he did? Because when you look at that, that um, the statue on, that, was, that was in Central Park, they just talked about all of his great works. That was it. They didn't say who he worked on. And God, the ending of that particular video, this man was livid. There was this one white man that was completely livid. He was like, he worked on 12 enslaved women. What was he supposed to do? Let them die? Sir, he was killing them anyway because of how he was doing it. So exactly what was the difference? least they wasn't going to die in pain if that was the case or not that kind of pain you were strapping mm. them down i need you to think about what you just said because there's the, you know i'm i'm sitting here trying to think there is no male equivalent surgery but i would love if there was one or if there was a male surgery that was as painful and as intrusive and as potentially deadly as what was done to the three girls, how he would feel if that was done to him without any kind of anesthesia, no whiskey or rum or anything to dull the experience. How would he I feel think, about that? I think that's one of the main problems when it comes to um, the issue for women and and, and and medical, all of what's going on as far as women and their and their choices, because men don't have to go through. Mm -hmm. They have no clue. They have no idea how painful what what we go through when it comes to having a baby, what we go through when it comes to rape, what we go through when it comes to um, a period what we go through any any anything that has to do that they, they they have no they have no idea sexual harassment 
they actually, I'm not saying that these things don't, that a sexual harassment can't happen to a man, and nor am I saying that rape can't happen to a man. I'm not but we don't talk about it. we don't that is no, such no. a tab that is such a that, that is, is a taboo, taboo with a capital T. Yes, it is. It's a taboo with a capital T because it's not supposed to happen to a man. Those types of things are not supposed to happen. But um I don't know. I mean well, actually, you're kind of presaging me because I was going to lead into the, this will probably take us into the end of the show. This is another example of trauma. And even trauma that we're experiencing today, and again, this country, well, I shouldn't pick on the United States. I don't know any country that's on top of it with mental health care, to be perfectly honest, but even the UK is not doing what it should do with mental health care. But we're talking about trauma. We're talking about trauma with the, with the three girls, plus all the other women that Sims operated on. And then we're still, you know, just reading people's experiences with the healthcare um, profession in this country, there's still trauma. You know, if there's any country that should be on its game with affordable mental health care provision for this stuff in all other forms of trauma, it's this one. Yeah. Because how can we break down our suspicions of the medical profession without being able to discuss it with someone who can kind of guide us through that, you know, a professional who can guide us through that, that conversation? So here's the thing, because um, one person, Emily Davis, said that would be considered CRT. First of all, history is not CRT. It's, it's just not. History, it, it, <laughs> I, and, and I hate that they're making it into CRT, but this is this is not CRT. CRT was around 40 years ago. And, and it's always been around and it's about American racism and how it shaped public policy. That's what CRT, that's the basis of CRT. That's what CRT actually is. It's these people that's trying to Stop the, the 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 learning of America of all of American history, and the way that they're trying to stop the learning of all of American history is by including Black history into CRT. That's what's going on. That's what that's doing. This is not CRT. I have to say that. Mm. And um, I don't know. I don't know why people. And I'm not saying that you're saying. I get what Emily Davis is saying. It's a way that other people who would right. label this as CRT right. say that to just close the conversation. That's their attempt to close the whole yeah. conversation down. And it's and it's annoying. It's it's just so annoying. Like I'm just <laughs> <laughs> it's just ugh. but let me let me let's take a little quick commercial break right now. Okay, let's just do that. <laughs> Whether you've hit a roadblock in your research or simply lack the time or training to tackle it yourself, our talented genealogy adventures staff of professional researchers are here to help you. Researching poorly documented ancestors is one of our specialities. We're located just outside of Washington, D.C. and near all of the major national archives. We work with individuals, museums, county exhibitions, plus production companies, and we really look forward to working with you on your projects. And we are back. Yes. 
Okay, so somebody said I got y'all laughing. I know. I always, I got to bring, you know, <laughs> I got to bring some kind of laughter to this. But it, that whole CRT thing just be irritating. What well, there's only there's only three there's only three things you can do: laugh, cry, or scream. Because it's it's just at this point, it's just so frustrating. And you know, again, I, think I just did all three. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's the other hidden part of CRT is the reason why it's used. We're not trying to guilt people over anything because we had a lovely. Um, Brand new viewer to the show. Wonderful, wonderful shout out to us on, on YouTube. And yes, we, we do handle difficult subjects and difficult topics. And we try to do it in a nuanced and, and balanced way. It's never about trying to shame people because we have white ancestry ourselves. We have white ancestors. Yeah. Um, so what we're trying to shame ourselves by discussing that, you know, we're just having it. This was the American experience, and we're viewing it from the lens of people of color, African Americans, Black people. However, you want to describe, you know, describe what we are as a people. That's all we're doing. We're having a conversation about history, and I think that frustrates me more about CRT than than anything else. You want to know how gynecology just ramped up levels. Well, if you're going to talk about Mr. Sims, you're going to have to talk about how he did it and who he did and who he did that to. Oh, Donia, Donia, closer to your microphone. You oh, need I'm to get sorry. closer. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. You can't just teach that, oh, Dr. Sims, James Marion Sims is the father of gynecology and he gave you the speculum and he was the one that made you do this. Oh, well, how did he do that? Um, well, he gave you the speculum and he allowed you to see inside the woman. Okay, what woman did he look in? Um, you know, I mean, that's what you're going to do. You're going to always say, um, you're going to, uh, you know, that's, you're always going to come to a pause. That's, you can't do that. You can't do that. So I don't, I don't know why people, I don't know. I don't, but or, you know, there's the thought form, well, that happens back in the 1840s. This is 2022. What does that have to do with this? Which I think we've already kind of dealt with, you know, we, we delved into that. Again, I, I struggle with the thought form that what happened then doesn't have anything to do with what ha what's happening today and, and vice versa. I mean, again, within, you know, my own family experience, you know, I have a nephew whose wife gave birth about 18 months ago. And it was touch and go about whether she was going to actually come out of that alive. Uh, that, that's no exaggeration. Right. So we're still, right. we're still dealing with it. And I had written it down and I can't find it. Maybe some, um, we can post it once we find it. I, there is a mortality rate for women of color in this country. And I, I wish I could remember what it was. I'll try to find it before the before the show ends. I thought that that was the the, the percentage that I saw was shocking. You say a mortality rate for women in this country for, for women of color in childbirth. It's at forty three percent. That was the, that was what I was given. Um, it said three. Uh, it's, that's what I was given earlier. 
That's what I was given earlier. Mm -hmm. Three to four. What did I say? Three to four times more than white women. That's what I was given. The mortality rate of black women is three to four times more to white women. Mm -hmm. So, and again, yeah. And just to remind our audience, this was not our originally envisioned show. Um, because we had a whole list of questions for um for a guest who unfortunately couldn't couldn't join us. Um yeah, well, we so hope again, you enjoyed what we did have. Um uh, the, the link to was placed up here for for the uh anarchy and they also have an Instagram page, they have um they have a, a Facebook page. So we, we ask that you do check them out and look at it. If you're in Montgomery, Alabama, please go search them out, go and, and, and visit and make sure you, you know, make sure you check it out because it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, and one thing that I know I will be doing, um, I don't do nearly enough reparational genealogy as I ought to do, I guess, because I figure my tree is public, there's loads of enslaved lines on there. So I try to contribute that way. I will, I will try this year. I don't know when, but I will try this year to, to do some research on to, to see if they actually did have children who survived and if they're descendants. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> because we have the, the 1950 census is coming and Edgefield is crazy. So I don't know what was gonna what's gonna happen with Edgefield right now. And I know our family is on another level. And yeah. um because we just had some crazy stuff that just happened. But next week, what about next week's show, Brian? Oh, if you want to talk if you want to talk about that one, I was just gonna quickly say to Randy, um Randy Simone. Sari, I agree, because one of, one of the questions I really wanted to ask Michelle about as well was why she chose statues as opposed to paintings, because, you know, she's an artist, so why, why that medium? Uh, I just thought that that would be a really, really interesting question to ask. Yeah, that, that would have been, it would have been. But we'll, hopefully, you know, maybe we'll be able to talk to her another time and, and try to get that done. Next week's show is going to be very, very exciting because I'm, I don't know about Brian, but this will be my first, well, no, this is not my first time, um, but we're going to be talking with a centurion. We're going to be speaking with Miss um, Shazir. Her name is Lucille Shazir and author Mary L. Bill. Mary L. Bill wrote a book, How to Live Well Past 100 years and it was based off a centurion lucille shazir lucille is 108 years old guys and she is going to be speaking with us it's going to be such an awesome show i think this show is going to be awesome because we're going to be able to give her her flowers right then and there you know what mm. i'm saying and and we're gonna she's gonna she's gonna educate us so i'm definitely looking forward to that mm. Um, and again, just seems like a remarkable life story. And, you know, basically, it, it's not just about it living to 100 or past 100, is kind of what she's done with her life. Right, right. And how she did it. So. And how she did it. And right. what, you know, and what all, and what all, what that means to her and her family. Right, right. 
So thank you guys for joining us. Um, we love you. I'm Donya. I'm Brian, and we will see you next Sunday right here, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes. Bye. Bye-bye.